Welcome back to the Intentional Apostolic Podcast. I'm Elissa Hornbeck, your host, and today we're talking about feminism versus godly femininity and unpacking what that really looks like in our day-to-day lives now. And I'm privileged to be joined by my co-host, Sister Janessa Lynn Easter, and two special guests, Sister J.C. Pulford and Sister Michaela Wilson. Now, I will drop all the links where you can connect with them and check out what they have going on. So make sure you do that either later or during the podcast. And I would like to mention that, yes, I do realize this is nearly three hours long. However, I feel like in light of how big this topic is, there's no really cutting it down or shying away from the depth. So I'm just going to give you guys the full content in one full episode. And I hope you'll grab something to take notes because I'm sure there's something in here that all of us can learn from. I know I've definitely been blessed and impacted by the wisdom shared by these ladies. And lastly, I would really appreciate it if you leave a like and a review wherever you listen to this because it really helps us to get out the word and get this podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's jump straight in. So I am so thrilled because today we have Sister Michaela Wilson and Sister J.C. Pulford with us. And I just know God's going to do some amazing stuff with this talk today. If um, Sister J.C., would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in ministry and um, what you have going on right now? A lot. um yeah well first thank you so much for the invitation i'm so excited to be here um yeah i'm jc lee pulford i run hello awesome uh, ministries hello awesome live um on instagram i also have a podcast hello awesome podcast and basically the lord is using my gifts of writing and speaking and just sharing my heart of um just what he's done in my life, using my testimony to just empower the next generation, empower young, other young ladies in the faith to just follow after God with their own, you know, with their whole heart. And um, yeah, I'm just able to um, be on social media and connect with everybody. I share fun content, silly content sometimes, um, but all in all, just to inspire and hopefully edify, you know, the body of Christ, especially the young ladies who I think, you know, uh, kind of need someone to come alongside them in the journey, you know, this faith journey. So. Amen. And yeah, JC, you're all over social media. You have not only your Instagram account, but you also do a lot of reels and, um, Mm -hmm. I enjoy your reels and they're, like you said, some silly content, which is fun and engaging while still, uh, edifying the body of Christ and especially young women. And then you also have, um, a, I know you have a book and you've been working on books as well. Um, and I think you may have more books published too. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. My first book is the palace keepers and it's all about the purity of the heart. And that shares 
my conversion story, I was never, uh, I wasn't raised in church. I came actually at the age of 22, I believe. Um, and so I share about that, what God has taught me about emotional purity, not just purity of your body, but also of your heart. Um, and since then, that's been 15 years now, um, God has led me to write, uh, like I think, four other books and also some modest fashion coloring books for young ladies so that, um, you know, parents don't have to worry about their young girls you know, coloring pictures that are not appropriate. And uh, that's been instrumental. And, um, you know, I'm all of those are on Amazon and also uh, PPH Pentecostal Publishing House has been awesome uh, spreading that and uh, sharing it with with other people. Wow, that is amazing. I, I would have never thought about um, modest coloring books, which is actually very much needed. Me neither. It's, yeah. a, it's a God thing. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And now, um, Elissa, would you like to introduce Michaela? I know I talk a lot, so go ahead and <laughs> take over anytime you feel like. Sister Michaela Wilson, I don't even know where to start with you. I just, watching you use your gifts for the kingdom has been amazing. So I would like you to introduce yourself to our audience and just tell a little bit of what you have going on and what you've been working on. Well, hey everybody, Michaela Wilson. And um, basically my ministry is making apostolic films. And honestly, it's super fun well, to me. It is a lot of work, but it is definitely worth it. Mainly because you're just doing, using a different way of actually doing soul winning. So some people might be reached better when they watch a movie, um, whereas somebody might have a hard time sitting down and listen to a full-on Bible study, but you know, you gotta reach everybody in their own ways. So that was just one of the avenues that I decided to go down. And um, I have my YouTube channel full of just apostolic um, salvation plan, all that other stuff. And just talking about things that we may go through as apostolics, uh, such as, like depression or um, just a lot of things that we're just going through in life because, you know, God didn't promise that we wouldn't, that we would have perfect lives. He did say that he would take us through some things, but in the end, he would have the victory if we gave it to him. If we just gave him our situations, he would just take the victory. So stuff like that. Um, and then on the side, um, I do some singing because I got boys, but you know, <laughs> and um, for the kingdom, yeah, for, for Jesus, amen. <laughs> and then, um, in my spare time, I usually am working, um, doing mortgages and loans. So, if you need a loan, don't talk to me, um, I'll help you. <laughs> <But, laughs> that is what I do in my weekdays, but on the all the, all the other days, I am just in church giving it my all and then right now I am working on a new script for our next movie that we are going to premiere on this new this upcoming new year's for 2022 and I'm so excited for all of that and so excited to be here as well so I'm so glad for this opportunity oh we're excited to have you and um doing ministry ministry through filmmaking is such a unique ministry and when you first shared that with me Oh, I was really blown away. And then you showed me one of your short films and I forget the name of it, but it was the one where it was like the call, like someone went to hell and called 
um, yeah. a family member or, and the way you executed that it, it was chilling and sobering and i remember feeling like oh. and i know uh i there's been uh church plays that um i've seen that will like hit home in that way you're just utilizing media and and turning them into these films that can be shared on the internet and to and reach many more people so it's a really unique ministry and that's exciting to see you you grow in that so so I think you guys have well mainly with your with your experiences the different perspectives that you guys have come from sister JCU coming into church um, as a young 22 year old woman who had her entire life ahead of her and had all these freedoms and you know your 20s is when you're supposed to be partying and all this other stuff or so as the world says and then Michaela with you coming from um, I think also you being from the East Coast, there is a different kind of um, culture that comes. Um, it's a bit more of a hustle culture. So I know that you get stuff done and and you're good with um, with that. With being able to um, just have that that, you know, East Coast culture where that you um, stand up for things and you're bold. And I think coming from that, especially with your um, history being a preacher's kid and a pastor's kid, you guys, both you and you, Sister JC, will bring really unique insights and perspectives on the topic that we're discussing today, which is feminism. So um, I am really excited for this. And then Elissa, um, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, as the co-host today. Absolutely. So I'm Elissa and I am the host of the Intentional Apostolic Podcast. A little bit about me. Um, I just love all things like media and creativity and being able to use that for the kingdom. And so being able to host this and have this conversation about feminism versus, you know, being a godly woman and what that really looks like is important to me because there's so many voices out there, you know, pushing different agendas and it can get really confusing and gray really fast on who we listen to and even who we listen to from, you know, Christian voices, because it can be challenging sometimes to discern what is actually godly and what is a form of godliness. And, you know, what's true and what's, you know, laced with truth. And so I'm just thrilled that God has opened this up where we can actually have this conversation and, you know, hopefully shed some light on what the Bible actually says and, you know, what's actually going on in our world today. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited for this talk and, and for many of the reasons that you just mentioned now. Um, before we dive into the talk though, um, we have to do the disclaimers. If you guys are familiar with the live streams that I do with the Aperture of the Eight, we're constantly giving the disclaimer that what we're talking about today is based off of our understandings and our walk with God, the teaching that we received from our spiritual authority, but 
we are not your pastors. <laughs> we are not your pastor's wives. So if you have any concerns or questions about the topic of feminism and the subsequent topics that we'll be covering today, please consult your spiritual authority, whether it's your parents, your pastor, pastor's wife, all forms of spiritual authority in your life, because uh, we are not it. So <laughs> we got to give that disclaimer that we're not here to pastor you guys. We're just here to talk um, and, and discuss our experiences with this topic and our insights. And with that also being said, um, we are the body of Christ. Um, we all have our different roles in the body of Christ and we have, we come from different, uh, church backgrounds and that are all apostolic, thankfully, praise God. Um, but with going to different churches and stuff like that, there may be different understandings um about certain teachings that aren't aren't uh too significant to justify any discord so with that being said if we have any disagreements about or different points of views about certain things just know that we are we love each other as four ladies we love each other we're here for unity and if we disagree we'll just be adults like you how people are supposed to be and just uh agree to disagree and i don't think we'll have a problem with that i just know that some people watching in third parties watching in may interpret oh you see it that way well i don't see it that way and think oh no someone is going to hell because <laughs> you see the interpretation just is slightly different right or you may have a, like a different standard no we're all here baptized by the grace of God in the name of Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost and um, are doing our best to live for God. And we're just here to discuss and fellowship with one another. So definitely wanted to put that in because when you've been doing this for um, a while, you'll find that people can tend to uh, misinterpret things that are being said. So we just want to cover all of our bases. <laughs> so with all of that, let us dive into the topic of feminism. So what is feminism? Um, I will give the brief overview from the internet of what feminism is. And feminism is a range of social political movements and ideologies that aim to define and establish the political, economic, personal, and social equality of the sexes. So that is what they say. But as feminism has progressed throughout the years, some of those agendas and goals have evolved and devolved. So it originally started out the, oh, feminists have also worked to ensure access to contraception, um, legal abortions and it's just grown into something that has that has changed from what it originally was in the beginning and so um it started out it, the first wave of feminism happened in the late 19th century and it was the first real political movement for the western world uh for in for feminism for the advocation of equality between men and women 
Um, and we in 1792, we had Mary Wollstonecraft who published the book uh, Vindication of Rights of Women. And with that, eventually the suffrage movement was birthed and women got the right to vote. But then you had the second wave of feminism, which is the feminism uh, that we see in the 60s and 70s, which is where things started taking a turn. Um, the feminist began challenging what a woman's role in society should be. Um, they started looking more at the oppression of women and, and that term started taking off a lot more. Um, and they also started questioning traditional gender family roles, um, amongst other things. Then they started fighting the concept of the patriarchy and it kind of just devolved from what feminism originally was when women got the right to vote and it was just equality between the sexes politically so women can like own their own properties and, and things like that. So the feminism from history back then is definitely different from this postmodern uh, feminism that we see today. And so um, ladies, if you have any, uh, your, if you would like to share your opinions and your, uh, your points of view on modern feminism versus the feminism that we saw back in the day during like the suffrage movement. We can start with um, Elissa, if you would like to, to give your... So doing a little bit of research and looking at things, um, I definitely see that there's value in some of the principles that, you know, the original movement advocated for, although I don't necessarily agree with some of the reasons why they went after that because in a lot of ways it was a dissatisfaction with the family unit as god had ordained it on the flip side of that now that like we're in 2020 and like culture and society has flipped stuff around and i know we'll get into this more later you know we can't hold on to doing things the way that they did it in the 18 and 1900s because we have liberties and freedoms that we're responsible to use because those are available to us. So I don't want to get too far ahead, but I know that there's a lot there that can be very confusing of where do you draw the line of I can participate in this or, you know, this is actually being driven by something that's completely ungodly and, you know, how do I act as a strong woman and, you know, still stay submitted to God's plan for, you know, the body of Christ? Um, and I know uh, Sister JC and Sister Michaela, both of you, I'm sure, have insight on, like, just like a brief overview and opinion of, like, feminism. Yeah, well, um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> I'm trying to like word what I want to say. You know, when we talk about like defining like what feminism is, like um, I'll get to that in a minute. But you were saying, Janessa Lynn, like the difference between how it started to where we are now. There is, I I don't think there is hardly any similarities 
uh, because the identity of what a woman is, is completely being torn apart. And so that's what we're seeing now. And so, you know, I think the whole problem with modern feminism is their motivation is wrong. I think wanting justice and equality and respect, that's not wrong to a point. But I think when your ideology is rooted off of your bitterness and your inability to forgive, um, then that really leads you away from being an advocate because you're not even healed. And so you're no longer part of the solution. You're part of like a problem, but it's like a new problem. And so it looks good on the outside, but there's still no like real truth. And I think the feminism now in the world is saying that uh, men have it better. So we have to be like them. And so that's like erasing the natural makeup of what a woman that was designed by God really is. And like when your goals include rewriting your identity, it's always going to be against God's will, right? So like your identity is tied to his identity. And obviously we don't see any of that because we're so far removed uh, in culture now from God's original plan. And so uh, I just think that like, if we don't have the right focus, then the end goal is not going to be positive. And I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot of people who claim to be feminists um, that say that they want equality, but what they actually want is to be the dominant gender. Mm-hmm. And so they hide behind this word equality because it sounds soothing. And it is what the original, I think, feminists wanted. And I think, you know, being able to vote, being able to have a voice is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But then it got taken a little bit too far because, um, you know, when you get down to like their policies and their ideas and their goals, the realistic overview is that it's truly domination over men. Mm -hmm. And that's not biblical and it's completely selfish and rooted in pride, which we know being selfish and being prideful, it goes against the Christian principles that this country was founded on. And so that's what I'm seeing now is the, is the identity of what a woman is actually is losing value. Um, and so people who claim to be feminists now, um, you don't even have to be a woman to do that. And it's, that's, you know, completely up to the individual, but I think we're forgetting what was the point of it all. And, um, how could we have, I guess, brought change without having to actually change the whole definition of what a woman is, if that makes sense. Definitely. Wow. Um, really quick. I just want to, uh, add something to, um, a point you made about, um, it's okay to want justice, but when it's mm-hmm. the root of it is is bitterness, then it devolves into something that is ungodly. And I I believe that the many of the um, ideologies and the and the principles more so of the original feminist movement um, actually was needed. Um, there there was an imbalance in the treatment of women in my personal opinion that wasn't entirely uh aligned biblically um and that just is because we're imperfect human beings and um not everyone was loving their wives as christ loves the church right (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. evolved into um you know something that wasn't 
godly and we can definitely see it more so in certain other religions that and and I, a lot of times we think about feminism within the context of the Western, primarily American world because of the suffrage movement and, and then the civil rights movement that um, a lot of feminists also got involved in um, later on. But we do see the, the results of mistreating God's creation in, uh, in other cultures and it's not biblical. So we aren't supposed to mistreat one another. We're supposed to be treating each other with love. And when I say each other, I'm talking about males and females, men and women are supposed to be treating each other um, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you know people did that um, and you know lived according to the Bible fully in all areas, I don't think we would have been having the discrepancies in the treatment and mistreatment of women but uh like in back in history but um you know there's sin in the world so that's one of the things that we've had to deal with um but what you said jc about it the wanting the justice and and it being rooted in bitterness is is something to think about and the thought came to me as I was thinking about um, this this talk and this uh, topic and, and doing a, some studying um, myself about how that there was a justice in the original feminist um, principles and ideologies. Their agenda they wanted justice, but because there was the lack of Holy Ghost guiding them we see how things devolved into the rebellious movement that we see today and which you know that can you can start getting off into you see you could be doing the right thing but if you don't have the holy ghost and um or you you don't have the holy ghost leading your life you know it, it applies in so many areas of life but i think that is a major element as to why things got so out of hand um but that you sharing that uh brought uh, some of those thoughts to mind. Yeah, well, quickly before, I know Michaela probably has some words to say too, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I was really praying and asking God, what is, is there even a definition for this, like feminism, according to you? Um, and this was a couple years ago. Um, I do have a, an episode, I think it was in the first season, actually, where your, your um, interview is Janessa Lynn. I think it's episode 12. I did a um, an episode called Jesus is uh, the advocate is an, an advocate for women. And um, in there, God really helped me think of like the godly way to think about feminism. And it's truly celebrating our natural makeup as women, right? Like the specific gifts that we've been given, the special callings that are on our lives to enhance his kingdom, to come alongside men. We have to come alongside them. And so I think what's happening now is we're forgetting that part. We come alongside them, compliment them. And, you know, it's so that his name's going to be glorified through our work and through our life, our voice and legacy, right? So he's our advocate and we are to come alongside men, not to be dominant over men. And I think that really is just such a huge um, disconnect uh, that we see now in culture today is most women don't want to go. They don't want to be alongside men. 
they actually don't truly want equality because that's what equality means. They actually want to be dominant. Yeah. Michaela, your thoughts? So, um, I mean, I totally agree with everybody. So like thinking of um, some things that I was also like looking at when I was thinking about like feminism from the past to the present. In the past, they had like, you know, the motives in general, like to an extent were pretty good. Like they just wanted women's rights because women just could not do a lot of things. They could not get a job like that. They couldn't really get paid as much. Um, they couldn't really do, you know, pretty much anything. So um, <laughs> when we, when, you know, the women's rights and the suffrage, you know, all that stuff happened, um, and then we were able to vote, cool. You know, we were able to get jobs, cool. We were able to do things rather than just stay in the kitchen and never leave the house and be a slave. So, I mean, <laughs> it's good that we get, we were able to get out of the house, but then they turn it around and, you know, you get, you do something good and the devil will take that and always try to contort it. And if you're not strong enough, you just fall into it. So um, he started adding in, oh, okay, well, your body, your choice, let's add in abortions. Um, mm -hmm. Let's add in changing the um, physical appearance where we should be able to dress like men in order to do things that men can do. And it's like, yeah. okay, we didn't have to do any of that. <laughs> I mean, we were able to prove that we could still do things the way we are. We don't have to change anything like, like our physical appearance or change our dress or anything. Like we still wanted that separation, but they were trying, but then after a while, it just started to combine. And just like what JC said, they're trying to make women up here and they're trying to make men down here yeah. and the entire time god is just like why does one gender have to be better than the other i never said man was better than woman i never said woman was better than man and there was one um like quote i saw where someone said you know god did not take adam's foot to make eve to be walked on he didn't take adam's head for her to be above him she took he took um he made eve out of the rib of adam mm -hmm. to be equal to be next to him to walk side by side with him because there she was not better than him and she was not under him they were supposed to work together and i think the world kind of just sees women as like trying to take over a new role that we're not supposed to take even though like we can do things without the whole thing that they were trying to make us do um another thing is just like um like the way they um, portray feminism, like either you're with them or you're against them. And there are some things I can back up. Um, like I do think women should get paid more like present day. Like I do think women should have the same pay as a man. I don't think companies should look at a woman and say, oh, she's probably just gonna get pregnant and then do maternity leave and we have to pay for that. So let's pay her less. You know, I think that's wrong. But I mean, there are just little things that I can agree with, but ultimately I can't really stand fully with feminism. But I mean, that might just be me. And I can never say like, oh, I am a feminist. Like I could never say that because in order for me to take a stance on something, I would have to fully agree on what they're saying, which is why um, right. I would like, I if if I'm not for all of you, then I guess I have to be against you. So as sad as it is to say, but yeah, that's basically how I see what it was from the past up until now. Yes. Um, I mean, God does say and in, Romans that he is no respecter of persons. So he's not going to give more respect to a man over a woman just because 
he is male. He's not going to give more respect to one ethnicity more than another because they're a certain ethnicity. God is no respecter of persons. So it doesn't matter your pedigree, um, which we all know your pedigree doesn't matter in ministry. What matters is you and your walk with God. And it's not just in ministry, it's it, or with your pedigree, it, it's the same with your ethnic background, your um, whether you're a male or female. Um, it, it matters that you have a relationship with God and you're fulfilling the call that he has on you specifically. And um, the thing is, Michaela, you said you talked about how man, uh, God drew woman from the Adam's rib cage. So he's she was supposed to be a help me, not um, you know, a doormat and then not the head of the house. Exactly. And uh, there were some other things you said that got me thinking about the vengeance. Um, the Bible says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And that doesn't mean you can't advocate for things. But where the um, first wave of feminism, the original feminism advocated for political rights. And when I say societal rights, it's the right where it's to make the same amount as a man um, and in your your wages, uh, the right to own property, the right to vote, those uh, socio-political rights. Um, but then it, it was like women got this vengeance inside of them where they needed to avenge themselves from the injustices that they experienced at the hands of the patriarchy right and the bible says vengeance is mine saith the lord so the feminist movement regardless of if they believed in god or not the principles that god has established in the universe still apply regardless of if you're saved not saved if you believe in him or you don't and because they took that vengeance into their own hands God let them have their way with it. And we see how it was not led by the Holy Ghost and it devolved into the, what we, what we see today. And it is very much against the word of God and against godliness because they took that vengeance into their own hands. Um, and it's, it, it really makes you think and um, it, it's, it's it's a it's a pretty uh crazy deal when you actually think about it yeah and honestly like men can do things that women can't do and women can do things that men can't do so we it's kind of just like bo a boxed up way of thinking if you really say like oh well women are more organized and we do this we do that okay we can do a lot of things and yes i'm glad to be a woman yeah. But I'm not about to downplay another gender, like yeah. the man, just because they are might not be very organized. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, women are yeah. very organized, not going to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not going to be able to, um, I mean, I would love to be able to, but I already know, like, if someone were to break into my house and like try to threaten me. I know I'm not threatening looking. Like if there was a man in the house, <laughs> it'd be a little bit yeah. more like afraid but me. I'm five foot zero. Like I had to go buy a gun so that I could be more threatening. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think like, you know, 
what you were saying, Michaela, like, like, like what they originally thought in the beginning wasn't really like their motivation wasn't truly wrong. You know, like strong, being a strong woman is not a sin. You know, like being a smart woman is not a sin. Being bold, a bold woman is not a sin. But when you are strong and smart and bold with that root of bitterness or that vengeance that you talked about and pride, that's dangerous. And that's when I think that's when that can be sinful. Yeah. Very well said, Stacey. That points definitely um, were made there because it's that you can have these qualities that in of themselves aren't wrong. They're actually good to have, but where you apply those those characteristics and there's those qualities make a huge difference because if you're not bold in God, if you don't, the Bible talks about come boldly before the throne. Um, so to have that boldness and a zealousness that applied within the kingdom and for God is a wonderful thing. That's what we strive to have. But if applied in pride, selfishness, vengeance and into worldly pursuits it is it's the complete opposite of godliness so i definitely agree another thing that i would say with all of this is sometimes when we either watch or even participate in like the destruction of the god-ordained gender roles honestly Mm -hmm. anybody that participates in that is honestly robbing themselves of the gifts and the covering and the beauty that God meant for each of us to have individually. So, you know, the feminism movement nowadays, you know, advocates that it's good and it's going to be more and that like, it's this grand thing when you really dig down into it, people are dissatisfied because they're robbed of what God meant for them to have the um, emotional security, the mental security, the physical security that comes with being in submission and in that role that God meant for us to have. So honestly, when we allow those ideologies to take root in us, we're the ones that's being robbed, even though we feel like it's a freedom or a liberation. It's actually a form of bondage because we're locking out the liberty that God meant for us to have in his kingdom and in his roles that he designed for us to have. Yeah, sin typically goes that way where you think there's this freedom and there is that pleasure in sin for a season, but in the end is death and bondage and sin is missing the mark. And so if you as a human being are missing the mark of what your identity actually is in many facets, but um, I know Sister JC, you mentioned identity um, within the feminist movement and they took the, the identity of woman and perverted what it actually is supposed to be. And from there, it got off course. It missed the mark of what God 
ordained a, the identity of a woman to be. And so just like with other sins, you have that pleasure and sin for a season, but then in the end is bondage. So very, very good point, um, Elissa. And it's, it's really interesting seeing how um, the, the original feminist movement, which you know focused on institutional reform, so like reforms politically and socially, um, like reducing gender discri discrimination um, and promoting equality, how it has devolved into what we now know as radical feminism, progressive feminism, postmodern feminism, um, which actually wants to reshape in society entirely. It's no longer just the equality um, within, within uh, the social political space. So, you know, it's political in the sense to where, no, legally women can um, apply for certain jobs. They have an equal opportunity as men legally, right? Um, they've, that's not enough for them. They now want to in, reshape entire society entirely to where it's not just everyone has equal opportunity. It's like they want to hijack the opinions and thoughts and morality of, of society to fit their, um, I, I will say egos pretty much. And we see that in other areas of society too, where it's not enough just to have the legal freedom to get a job or to be as successful as a man. Legally, you have that freedom, equal opportunity. But now it's like, no, I want you to think of me as better than a man. And it's so it crossed from just the um, like legal advocacy for um, equal rights into now we want to uh, reshape a patriarchal system and um, do this overhaul of liberation when we're, we're already, at least in America, we're already free, right? Um, and now it is resisting the belief that men and women are the same or, or equal. So it's just really interesting to see the, the devolvement of original feminism into um, what it is today. Oh, go ahead. I want to say one more thing on like yeah. the old um, like feminist feminism movement versus now. Um, we have to understand that like society back then was structured differently. So like back then there was this mentality that the man of the house would operate in a way that would have the best interests of all parties, his wife, his children, you know, in mind. And so like in voting, in business, in all aspects, you know, he would advocate for their good, for their wants, for their needs. And, you know, he would be that person for them to advocate for that. And I'm not saying that that happened in all cases. Like we all know of stories where, um, the male side of things that God ordained was perverted and wrong. But like in general, like most cases, the man would, you know, step up and advocate for all that. 
that's not as much the case now because the shift of culture and opportunity and responsibility has changed it where, you know, women, we do have more liberties and rights. And so that comes with the responsibility that now we are advocating for ourselves to a greater or lesser degree. And I'm not against that. Um, you know, there's a lot of aspects where I do exercise my rights. I would consider myself a very strong woman, but when we push the advocating for ourselves beyond the principles that God ordained, there's a difference between methodologies of how stuff was structured in society in like the 1700s, 1800s. The methodologies of how we are able to interact and everything has changed in like our modern society. So how we go about daily life and stuff, you know, it's not an agrarian society where everybody has their family unit and farm and, you know, you have your little pockets. No, like we're all interconnected and we're all, you know, running around crazy. But God didn't erase his principles of the structure of the family, even though like our day-to-day -day lives and the way we go about things may be different. So I think it's important that we understand just because the methodologies of how the family and how we act has changed, God's principles and God's word hasn't changed in spite of what's been opened up to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Um, I, I want to ask all of you, uh, all of you guys on here, um, do you think it's important or it makes a difference if Christian girls, and when I say Christian, I'm also meaning apostolic as well, um, primarily actually, because this true Christian, right? Uh, if Christian girls understood the difference between um, the original feminist movement and the radical feminist movement of today. Do you think it, it's significant that they understand the differences or that it may uh, change their viewpoints or affect their viewpoints in any way? I do, um, mainly because it's a huge difference between what was going on like in the past, whereas now, and we have so many new things that have been introduced in the present day, like, for example, the fact that we now have how many 50 different genders introduced into the world. Mm. And um, technically, some of them fall under female, some of them don't, some of them fall under nothing. You know, there's just so many differences between what happened then and what happened, what's happening today. And if they, if um, Christian girls understood the reason why we like as a Christian, you should still be all for having equal rights. I mean, like that's just a given. I mean, nobody wants to be treated like a like less than another gender just because they're a different gender, you know. But like nowadays, um, there needs to be some understanding of what is right and what is wrong when it comes to this whole movement. And I think we they should be in knowledge of why everything has fallen into place the way it has. Like the change of dress and everything kind of like happened during that time frame. 
because okay. back then there was a separation between man and woman. And then after the whole rights and stuff like that, um, you know, so happy we have rights now, but we didn't have to change the dress code or anything like that. We should still be happy that we are separate from men because we are our own person and we are our own gender. And we should be happy with the way we are not trying to add on some other roles just because we're trying to be better than some other gender. So I think that those talks are very important because they're going to face that whenever they go to school and the job, they're going to face that in college. Like they're going to face some of those questions like, okay, why do you do what you do? Okay. But why do you believe that? Don't you feel like um, women have been oppressed? Um, I mean, in the past, yeah. But if you look at today, there is nothing going on with women. <laughs> like, like, we are oppression worthy, right? Yeah. I mean, like we're pretty happy. Like we can do anything we want to actually, we can do a little bit too much. <laughs> and, um, like I, I just also, yeah, I do like agree that we like Christian girls, even just girls in the world in general, they should know, um, why some things are seen the way they are. And that's basically my thought on it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think too, you know, like you were saying, like, going too far. They just, we, we tend to take everything too far. And um, I think it's because people start thinking about their experiences and that vengeance comes back, right? Like we were talking about. And, you know, I think we need to really start educating um, our young ladies. Uh, for me, you know, like when I came in to the church, changing the way that I viewed dress was a huge thing. And one of the things that helped me was knowledge, was learning, was looking at why it changed in the first place. And when you go back to history, you realize that one of the things that women wanted to do was they wanted to work like men. And so in order to work back then, a lot of it was factory work. And so they had to actually, they couldn't wear dresses and skirts in factories. They had to wear the suits, the pants, um, the overalls that the men would wear because of safety and that's how that started, to be honest. And when I saw when I saw that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head of like, oh, okay, that's where that began. Um, because they wanted to have that same opportunities um to work, which I, I understand. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that doesn't mean that um changing the dress changed. God's principles changed yeah, God's, yeah, exactly. you know, plan for women and truly realizing that, uh, instead of looking at our dress as empowerment, we looked at it like it was a limitation. And I think we're seeing that mindset trickle into the church now. And we're seeing young ladies really struggle with their modesty because they feel like they're being limited by their modesty instead of realizing that, no, that's actually empowering you because it's separating you for a higher calling for a higher purpose. And, and I don't think, um, I don't think a lot of times leaders know how to address that in a way that, um, that can come across maybe uh, appropriately. And so um, I'm not saying it hasn't been done. I'm sure there are great leaders out there who are teaching young ladies, these things. Um, but I think it's very important to just have these discussions and, and just show, not just obviously, you know, dive into the biblical principles of it all, 
you know, go into the Bible studies. Yes. But also you have to mirror the Bible study with practical facts from the world because these kids are going into the world. And so um, they want real talk. And that's what we're seeing. That's why a lot of them go on social media and then they go crazy. They want that realistic connection. And if we're not giving them real discussions in church, they're going to find somebody else somewhere that's going to give them that. And they're not going to have the biblical foundation to teach them the right thing to do. Yeah, um, it, it is definitely important that we have these talks. Um, and like you said, JC, educate. Um, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. We need that knowledge. And from knowledge, we can get wisdom. Um, I did a poll uh, just the other day on Instagram asking, you know, does feminism have a place within the church, whether big or small? And there was pretty much an exact 50-50 split of yes and no. And I did invite uh, people to explain uh, in the comments um, or as a reply to the story, um, because I know sometimes it's not just a yes or it's not just a no, but surprisingly only, I think only one person uh, explained themselves or expounded upon it. And it was just backing up what they, the, the yes or no that they gave. So it wasn't like people, at least according to the poll, it, it seemed there were uh, many girls Christian girls who were like, oh, yes, it definitely has a place. Um, and that's actually pretty interesting uh, to see. So I'm really glad that we're having this talk and this discussion to JC, like you said, educate our young women and then also even young men, because the, the feminist movement mm -hmm. um, you mentioned earlier, it's not just limited to uh, females anymore. There's many men. Uh, starting to claim being a feminist and standing for the radical feminist movement. So um, it's it's good to educate our young people and just the church in general uh, about this this topic. Definitely agree. And one of the dangers that I see and that like I've experienced is a lot of times when people are introduced to the feminism they're introduced to the more uh mild original version and you know they take a look at it and say okay i can see biblical principles in that i can see you know rightness within that and they end up just swallowing the whole thing the whole pill at once and taking all of it in and you know in some cases end up calling themselves a feminist or whatever without understanding truly what all that entails and what's following behind that from the radical progressive side of things and the enemy knows that like if he can get a foothold in originally with like you know stuff that is technically right and biblical and you know, start changing our vocabulary and changing what we'll accept, then he can start pushing the more extreme things. And because we didn't really pay attention, then we accept that as well. And we see, you know, people picking up those ideologies even within the kingdom without realizing what they're actually accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Um which is 
it's kind of uh, scary and just seeing um, some of the more radical ideologies being brought into uh, the church. I remember, and this was a few years ago, um, I did a video on modesty, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> um, and this young apostolic uh, lady uh, DM'd me and she said, I appreciate um, pretty much how you approach the video. I thought you were going to slut shame. So it's good to see that you mm -hmm. didn't. And the idea of slut shaming, according to the world, our modern world is condemning girls for acting like what someone would deem a slut, which would be like sleeping around, um, having an active and the vast uh, <laughs> and uh, sex life, as well as dressing provocatively. And it did bother me that a young Pentecostal woman who is supposed to believe in holiness standards um, would would feel wrong for condemning those those uh, that lifestyle of sleeping around of dressing provocatively like why would you defend the the very movement and, and the very ideology that is against holiness when without holiness you're not going to be able to make it to heaven you won't be able to see god there's just so much that rides salvifically on holiness so it's it's really interesting to see um and concerning to see these ideologies creep into the church in ways that young people especially with social media may not even realize and because they're being inundated with these um, principles and these messages and these voices uh, it starts seeping into their spirit so yeah definitely and just to go like really quick oh yeah go ahead Jason. um i am a boy mom <laughs> so oh. i have two boys and i'm raising and one of the things that the lord has placed on my heart um, in my book, The Glitter Effect, I talk about the power of influence. Mm. And us as women, we have such a tremendous power of influence. If you look back at Eve in the garden, we know that Adam told her specifically not to eat of that tree because God told Adam. But at the same time, she still had that subtle, manipulative spirit that twisted things around and caused her husband to eat too. Mm. And so we see that now. And so oh. as I'm raising these two boys, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I, how am I su supposed to train these, these boys who are going to become men yeah. to respect women, to, um, to love women according to God's ways. When we have this new feminist movement that's already planning to attack them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it truly, it's something that I actually had an issue, um, you know, with a, a family member of mine, mm. you know, and we'll talk about experiences I know later on, yeah. but, you know, I was trying to, I'm 
trying to share my experience, you know, raising two boys to try and respect women. Also, they know, you know, speaking of, you know, being provocative, you know, dressing promiscuous, you know, stuff like that. It's like, you know, they know now at their young age that like there's some things that are private and just because this is accepted doesn't mean that we accept it as godly people. And I mean, already at nine, six years old, I'm teaching them the principles for finding a wife. (laughs) And it's so crazy how I have to do that now, but it's also such a gift. And so I just wanted to speak a little bit about that is, is this whole movement, like we had talked about, it's not just affecting all of us women. We have to start teaching our young men in the church, how to respect women. And I think this is another thing too, that maybe you know, maybe she had some issues, you know, the girl who DM'd you where maybe a lot of that shaming came from the young men in the church who have not been taught how to properly respect women from, from other people, because I don't think that's also something that, you know, uh, is talked about a lot. And it always seems to be on the shoulders of the females. You know, you have to be the one to dress, you know, don't make, make sure your, your skirt's not too tight. Make sure that you are not, you know, causing your brother to stumble. And those are all true. And those are all good. But also like teaching my boys, hey, you can look away. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was about to mention that when you were done. Go ahead and finish. Just saying that you're responsible for your eyes. You're responsible for your body. You're responsible for your words. So if you see that, that doesn't mean that you have to engage. Uh, You can go elsewhere. (laughs) And so I'm teaching that. Even in my home, I'm the only female in the house, not even the pets. The pets are all male. So I tell them, hey, listen, if mommy needs privacy, you better give me privacy. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just little things like that, that I think obviously in our home, but uh, if we're talking about a whole you know, church, I think we really do need to uh, start educating our young men as well. Yes. Very, very valid points. Um, as you were talking, that came to mind because it is a um, cycle th- that happens. You have a you have young men in the height, especially of you know going through puberty and stuff like that. But it does not stop if you don't get it under control now. If you don't build the habit of turning your gaze, um, it's not going to get any better in the future. Many men confess that it actually gets worse so you have if you have men who keep looking around and lusting after the sensuous woman right who is showing off her body and it's not godly that does not go unnoticed by us ladies we will internalize that and it comes into our minds okay this is what's going to get this young godly supposed to be well supposed to be godly apostolic man's attention is if i dress similarly to that sensuality and so now we have young ladies posing certain ways on social media or wearing certain clothes that it covers their neckline but it shows everything else off because of how tight it is and then that breeds the young men feeding into that um, desire for sensuality by looking now at the their sisters in the Lord who are now dressing that way. And it's just like the cycle that um, devolves into 
sin. And, um, and so we do need to be responsible for our own bodies. It's my body, my choice, and it's your choice to submit to God or to not. And it's your choice on which consequences or blessing you're going to receive from that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I was going to, um, like, bouncing off of like everything else, the reason why some people do have like their different, different beliefs where you're just like, why do you even bother? Like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you even believe that it's so wrong? You got to look at their past life. You got to look at how they grew up. You got to look at um, what they've already been through. Like someone who might've been like sexually abused for a long time by mainly men might have a hatred towards men just naturally because, you know, they've had such a bad experience all their life that they may have some messed up views. And mm -hmm. like, it's not our job to change someone's view. It's just our job to talk and like talk to them about why not every man might be like that or just like in general just reminding ever reminding them like hey you know you may have been through this but that does not mean that makes that right you know yeah. like for example like that whole yeah my, your, my body my choice type of thing and the the way we dress like uh, if i were to go on instagram post a picture of me in a sports bra and booty shorts you really think that's going to be like me saying body positivity that's a thirst right. trap okay yeah. okay yeah. don't be all like okay well she's just comfortable in the way she's dressing yeah right okay let's look at the comments first and then you can come back to me and tell me this is not thirst trap like <laughs> straight up um we sometimes can like some like women sometimes can do that where they're just like well you sh I shouldn't be um, targeted because I decide to wear this or to wear that. Okay, well, think about it. Who is the majority of the people who wears that stuff? And why would you want to look like them? Because I'm comfortable with my body. Okay, you're comfortable, but you know, you're going to catch the um, attention of perverts. <laughs> They're not going to go away just because you want them to go away and just because you want to look a certain way. Like, there's going to be people out there aiming for people who have that stupid way of thinking no offense but mm -hmm. <laughs> it's right you got to look at the reality this is the reality it's worse than Sodom and Gomorrah here you really want to walk around dressing like like a street walker <laughs> like yeah um, you're asking for something to somebody to just kidnap you <laughs> and yeah we got to stop looking at like oh we're trying to change the world the world is the way it is like it's going to get it, all it's going to do is just get worse mm -hmm. so we're past change at this point we're at the point where God needs to come back for the people who are living for him already. <laughs> yes, for whosoever will. And whosoever that's the thing. Will. Like, we already know the the end of all of this. And so, like you said, it's it's there's no point in trying to change the world. It's changing yourself and allowing God to use you so that he can change other people. So you start with yourself first and then fulfill the calling of God on your life which is ministry, instead of wanting the world to change their viewpoints, you have to remedy the insecurities within yourself. And one of the major factors of that is finding your identity in God and fulfilling your identity and call in God. Um, and so it's, 
it, it's one of those things that even if you don't believe in God, that doesn't change his principles. And whatever seeds you sow, you can't be angry that you reap that crop. If you sow seeds of sensuality by dressing a certain way, and then you get sensual looks and men lusting after you, you can't be, you, you, you cannot blame men for that. I'm not excusing them. It's not right because they shouldn't be lusting because lusting after people lust is wrong, but you can avoid putting yourself in that situation by making certain choices. And that's what women, especially the feminists do not want. They hate taking responsibility. They hate thinking that they have a role to play into something. People just want to be victims. They don't want to actually be the ones responsible for the situation that they're in. So they want all the world at their feet, but they don't want the inherent consequences that has to come with having the world at your feet because there's sin in the world, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, though. I don't actually really understand what that even means, but. <laughs> like straight up, straight up, because like the one thing about being a woman, people can automatically believe us if we cry a few tears. <laughs> right. Like, um, yes. we could be lying through yes. our teeth, have one tear fall down. Oh my gosh, I believe you. And we hold that power. Like, we really do. And mm -hmm. so some people are like, you know, women are just treated so wrong. You know, like, listen, we can get away with a lot if we wanted to. We can. And we have. And, and it ain't right. right. It, it, you know, it's not right, of course. But it, I mean, I just think it's funny that women are have been put on such a huge pedestal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't mind the pedestal, but I'd rather not be like thought of that way where another gender has to suffer just because um, we're trying to, well, the world is trying to um, mess up the order of God's headship and stuff exactly. like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me of that like whole Me Too movement that came out, you know, hashtag Me Too. And it, th that even snowballed because it started off to be a good thing yeah. that people were sharing and they were all coming together in solidarity of like, yes, I was violated. Yeah. And it definitely, and then feminism came in and, and perverted that too. Yeah. And then it was like, believe all women. And when that came out, when they're like, believe all women, I turned to my husband and I was like, you know that that's not true, right? <laughs> all right. Women be lying. Like, okay, I'm just saying, if we were to believe all women, the world is on fire. Right, exactly. And there's just- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, God forbid we believe all women. Where are the voices of my sons? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hello. Then somebody could easily take advantage of their gender as a woman to violate my the rights of my sons. And that that angered actually someone in particular because they were saying, you know, like, well, my daughter's rights have been violated every day. And I was like, you're not seeing that the value of men is deteriorating also every day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as, as much as I know that we need to work together and help each other as women, and there's probably still some things that we need to work on. It's that, you know, what you were saying, Michaela, like, just like, you know, you can't just like 
believe us all <laughs> as much as like we like that sometimes because we do like attention, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just not biblical and it's not true. Yeah. Off camera, you know, off, off, off camera though, I hate that a, a woman can, can do statutory rape and they see it as a mistake and then a guy just- Oh, oh yes. Oh, especially as-, as a voice <laughs> sister, meaning I have so many brothers. I, oh my goodness, that- makes me so livid and i've seen the Mm -hmm. stories and it's like if it was a male who did this to a female he would be in prison right now getting killed by the inmates (laughs) for um child molestation and yet the this woman can cry tears and Mm -hmm. and get off on a lighter sentence than a man would for messing up a human being's life yeah anyway go ahead Michaela. Yeah, straight up. Because like that, it, that's actually going on still. Like a lot of women teachers and women and like older women are taking like these little boys and like the boys will be like, I don't know, like 16 or something so that it can be seen as like, okay, well, they're technically close to the age of consent. No, oh, still under the age of consent. That is still statutory rape. Just because you're mm-hmm. a woman does not mean you get, you should get a free pass, but right. it has happened where women are getting a free pass because of it just because of like this whole, honestly, I do say it is this whole feminist movement. Um, but I mean, like there's just so many other factors that go into it, but still. Yeah. I actually want to bring up, um, circle back to something Michaela brought up about, Mm -hmm. um, behaving online and even, um, how we go about portraying ourselves in person that there is this natural, um, insecurity and validation cycle that men and women have and like it starts at a very infantile age where um you know little girls look to their daddy to validate them and to um you know pour into their identity and because of our broken homes and because of the broken society you know little girls grow up without that validation and so they on a subconscious level know that they need a male validation. And so as they grow older, they start going to look for it in other ways. And it ends up becoming this very perverted thing where it, they, they feel like the only way they can become validated is to do something sensual or do something, you know, perverted from God's original plan to get that validation. And so it becomes this toxic cycle because they, because of their insecurities and their desire for validation, they behave. And then men, because, you know, they're human too, they turn around and give that validation, which then just completes that cycle where they just keep continuing down that road And it just reinforces that like, oh, if I want to be validated, then I have to act this way. I have to talk this way. I have to pose this way. I have to, you know, reveal myself this way when, you know, it started like at a very root, small thing. And, you know, it does play into the daddy role that like, you know, we do need good fathers. We do need strong men to like invest in little girls and stuff because you do need that but at the same time 
like if you grew up in a house or an environment where you didn't have that validation, the answer is not to go out seeking a uh, perverted version of validation to try to massage your insecurities. The answer is to take those insecurities to God and let Jesus be the father to you to rebuild your identity in him to where you're not going to accept that perverted validation that the world tries to feed you or even stuff within the kingdom of God that isn't completely holy, that God can restore your identity to where you'll have a healthy view of being validated and dealing with your insecurities. Yes. Um, Sin entered into the human world through Eve's insecurity. Mm -hmm. And we see how that has played out throughout the course of humanity. And so there's one of the key factors in living a successful godly life is having that security of your identity in God. And that's something that even I'm still working on, on, on a daily basis, right? Us as human beings are we're really insecure. Um, it comes so naturally. And, but the more that you strengthen yourself in your identity in God, the more solid you become. And so then when certain winds of temptation of, um, of whatever the world throws at you, you since you're more grounded in God, um, it won't uh, cause you to stumble into certain things that we see young people and women uh, stumbling into. Yeah. So um, I would like to ask you guys, what are some of your experiences with uh, feminism? Whether you used to be a feminist or fancied yourself a feminist like I did when I was younger and didn't know anything, um, or even uh, experiences where you had you faced feminism uh, head on. Well, I guess I'll start because, you know, I wasn't, you know, brought up in church. And so this literally was rooted in my upbringing and it wasn't from my parents. I had an amazing dad, an amazing stepdad. Uh, My mom, you know, is a God-fearing lady, even though she didn't know all the principles. Um, She still was a prayer warrior and she taught me about God. But, you know, when you come from a strong Puerto Rican background, I am Puerto Rican. I don't look like it. I know, but we're all different (laughs) shades. I just got the lighter shade. Um, and so it's truly in the culture sometimes of your heritage and also the media. And so when I was just consuming and I didn't even have social media back then, it didn't matter if you just turn on the, you know, Nickelodeon, Disney channel, whatever, there was always something about feminism in there, uh, woven in. And so I just remember always having those little nuggets kind of put inside of me, fed to me. Um, 
you know, just like you have to stand up for what you believe in, you know, like you're, you're a woman. So you have to try harder, you know, you have to, you have to be better. You have to just that like drive that um, might not always be positive. And so I remember coming to the church and that was such a huge thing was realizing like, oh, like that's something that I even have to, yes, still work on today is sometimes it'll rise up that vengeance, right? That rebellious spirit. And I have to remind myself, okay, but I am made new in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. So I don't follow who who I was before. And so I know that a lot of my story is woven in this tangled relationship that I had with my ex fiance, uh, that when I came into the church, I had just broken up at an engagement, um, that I was engaged for like three years to somebody that I knew in high school, probably somebody I should have just stayed friends with. And we've had probably all had like a relationship like that, or somebody that we've kind of like took this relationship a little bit too far and it should have just been like a friend. But I was seeking that validation, exactly what you were saying, Alyssa. Like I, I, um, I was, I was seeking that, um, just something. And I thought I could find it in this person. Obviously we can't do that. We can't find it in people. And, um, I just remember really feeling like not sure who I was, what I wanted to do. And then God really, you know, I'm not going to share the whole thing because it's Mm -hmm. it's huge. Um, but you know, he did send me a vision of himself on the cross and he supernaturally shared with me his identity of who he was that, in just a couple of short months, wow. I was able to connect with a friend of mine who was, who was the apostolic guy in the church. And he brought me into the church. And, you know, in just a couple of months after I studied and I was, I was being taught Bible studies and realizing who God really was, I then knew who I was in God. And all those ideologies that I had adopted um, fell flat because those are all false idols. Those are all, um, just idols that cannot save you. And what we see in feminism now is they're seeking after something that cannot save them. They're seeking after this, this, their own version of Baal that they're worshiping. They're putting children on the altar to worship this idol. And I just can't, (laughs) I just can't see myself agreeing with somebody with a movement who will um, take the least of these uh, and and totally disregard them for their own selfish, you know, obviously wants and beliefs. And so that that really was the root of everything. And then if I want to talk about an experience recently, um, you know, I, I did talk a little bit about, you know, being a boy mom. I remember one time I was going through a local mall and I was with my boys and I was coming from the play area, going to Target, as you do. And so there was a nice woman and she was running this home improvement kiosk. You know, those kiosks that are like in the middle of the mall. And um, she asked me if I wanted a quote. And at the time we had just bought a fixer upper and my husband and I, um, real quick, the guy who brought me in the church two years later, two years later, I married him. So there's that. Um, (laughs) God had it all planned out. (laughs) Plot twist. Yeah. Right. Um, but so this woman's asked me about, you know, do you want this quote? And I'm thinking, well, we know we do our own work. So I politely declined. Um, 
And she was like really surprised that I said no. And as I'm walking away, I heard her say, but we are owned by two women. And I was really Mm. shocked by that because she was really happy. And it was like that hook, like she was trying to hook me. And um, I didn't know why it bothered me so much. Like I kept thinking about it and I was praying about it. I'm like, God, why, why did this stir up something like in my spirit? And it really brought me to like this clearer, I guess, idea that like, I shouldn't have to support a woman's business because she's just a woman. Like I should support her because I agree with what she's doing. I'm proud of what she's doing. I believe in her. I believe in what she stands for. And so what this woman was saying to me was like, you should support this because women own it. And I just want to say, no, I shouldn't. And I know that's very (laughs) harsh and some people might not like that, but no, I shouldn't just support you just because you're a woman, just like we shouldn't vote for somebody into office just because they're a woman, or we Mm -hmm. shouldn't rally behind a public figure because they're a woman and they've accomplished all these great things. Like, yeah, I can applaud you if you're the first woman vice president, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I could applaud that part, but I can't champion you because your values are not the same as mine. Yeah. So I can say, yes, I'm glad that there is a woman in the, you know, helping out in the white house, but that's as far as I'm going to go with you. Like to me personally, like I, I'm more than a woman, but so is she like, so are you. And so like, yeah, we should uplift one another and we should help each other grow. And that's more than okay. Obviously, you know, I love women in business. I am a woman woman in ministry. God, you know, takes care of that. But like, what's not okay is to try and like manipulate like this compassion Mm -hmm by using gender as like a leverage point. And like when we women use being a woman as like leverage, we're actually not encouraging. We're like watering down what we really Mm -hmm. have to offer because we are more than our gender and we can be proud to be women, but we need to be proud of being a child of God first. Amen. (laughs) Yes, JC. Amen. (laughs) Wow. Cause like how, how can you support something you do not agree with and the thing is that side the feminist side and those who align themselves with feminism they would say the same exact thing me all of us we are apostolic women right creating content um and sharing on social media and other platforms do you think any of them would be championing us right no no they why won't. not because mm-hmm. they vehemently do not agree with what we stand for and what we believe. So just like they have the right not to support us based off of what we believe and we're not forcing them to support us based off of being women, the same applies on our end. So, yeah. Oh, my turn, okay. Um (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah, go ahead, Michaela. Anyone, I know I talk a lot, so I want, you guys can go ahead and just jump in anytime. So um, personally, I mean, I grew up in a home full of women and my dad was the only man. So <laughs> I had my mom and my two sisters, me, and then of course my dad. And um, my mom and dad, hustlers, like they worked and they always said, get money if you have to, but do it in the right way, you know, of course, but like, you know, they, they've been working all their lives and they just won't stop working to the point where it's like, you don't even have to work, just go home. But you know, <laughs> it's just the way that they, I don't know, just the way they are they were raised and everything. But um, for me, based on the way I was raised was the reason why I had thought of like the way 
the way I, I accomplish things is the reason why I am where I am today. So I always knew that I would not be a housewife type of person. Like I straight up, when I was a child, I told my parents, I said, I'm not going to be at home cooking and cleaning and not doing anything else. Like I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to travel, you know? And I did. So <laughs> like, um, and it had nothing mm-hmm. to do with me thinking that I'm better than men or that, you know, nothing like that. I just had my own goals and I did not stand for feminism in any way, shape or form. They might look at me as a feminist just because of the way I um, accomplished some of the things I did, but ultimately I only did it because that's what I wanted to do. And um, is that considered selfish? Maybe it's my life, but like, I didn't do anything wrong because it's not like I, I had a sin to get to where I am now. So um, like, I always knew I would get a degree. So I got my bachelor's degree. I knew that I was not going to get married before I moved out of the house. So I got a full-time job when I could afford it, I moved out. And then, um, I always knew that if I was not married by the time I wanted to buy a house, I would buy a house and thank God I'm buying a house. So like, just because I'm doing things that a feminist might consider part of their culture does not mean I am part of them. And I'm definitely not a supporter of them. I do support like some things that they acknowledge, but I, but just because you acknowledge some of the things and you agree does not mean you are a follower of them. Um, I know that they are very big on women's rights to vote and political, you know, great. I I agree with that too. Um, I do not agree with um, pretty much everything else. (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to feminism, if someone says, oh, so you're, are you a feminist because you do this, this, and this? No, I I just knew for myself, that's what I wanted out of life. I'm not going to fully put myself and attach myself to this thing that I don't even agree with fully. Um, Because when you actually say, like just using feminism as an example, if I were to say I'm a feminist, then I am supporting everything that they stand for and it is a part of me. And the only thing I should be a part of is what God wants me to be a part of. And that is his word. That is um, my beliefs in like holiness. Like those are the things that are most important. And a lot of people get caught up in like this whole political stance on things where, um, oh, if you're a Republican, then you're a Christian. If you're a Democrat, then you're a backslider. You know, like we shouldn't even have any, like personally, um, I don't even think having a political stance is even worth it because they both stand for things that are not of God anyways. So we should not be like attaching ourselves to the things of this world and things that they have created to stand for. We should be only standing for the things of God, read the word and just do the things that he says and he will do the rest. Like, I think we should really as Christians in general, stop thinking that we have to take, like we have to attach ourselves to something just because of the majority of the people are saying that that's the right thing to do. No, God has a different walk with me than he does with you. So I'm going to have my own um, walk with him. And I'm also going to have like just a different convict, like different convictions about things that I need to do. Um, and if I, if me and my walk with God, if I do not follow the convictions he has personally given to me, then I am in the wrong. Mm. But just because you're yeah. saying, oh, well, I do this. How come you're not doing that? Well, okay. That's what you feel. You know, it's part of your walk with him, your holiness standards, all that great stuff. Don't, 
put your convictions on me, especially if it's something that God told you to do and not tell me to do. So, um, but personal experience, yeah, I mean, I think people might see me as a feminist just because of my life, but definitely not. Yeah, and that's good that you make the the distinction between just because some of the actions I take may seemingly align with what you guys say or or push does not make me one of you guys. I'm living my life. I'm living my life according to my calling that God has placed on my life. It does not mean that I am in support of you all. And because uh, I think young ladies, uh, Christian young ladies uh, can, especially when they're young, they're trying to find that identity. And they, they may know, oh, let me find my identity in God, but they still have that yearning to find the, that outward validation, right? So the outward identity validation. And so they may have certain beliefs or feel like they're called to certain things. And because they're not solid and grounded, they may look at a movement like the feminist movement and say, oh, well, I believe this aspect and this aspect and this aspect, so I must be one of them without taking into consideration. If you call yourself a feminist, you are aligning yourself with the movement and what it stands for. So um, it's it, I, I'm glad that you made that distinction, Michaela, uh, because I think, yeah, people can get confused and think, oh, well, since I'm doing this, I must be one of them. And that is definitely not the case. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in quick because mm -hmm. I think yeah. um, just my experience too, like there's so many mindsets that we still have to break within the church that I think Michaela really definitely like could speak into because as somebody who had a working mom, there is still this idea that she must not love God's plans or she must not love the role of women you know, like a stay at home mom does like, mm. there's always that, like, I didn't realize that until I became a mom and there is this like battle. And even if you're not a mom, there's just this battle of like, Oh, you know, like Michaela, you know, like she's driven. So if you stay at home, you must not be as driven. Or if yeah. you stay at home, then you must be, um, have a closer walk with God than somebody who isn't. And I think that right there too is just such a battle that we're seeing in the church. And uh, and the more that I see that, the more it really hurts because I had a I had a working mom. I was called to stay home. And it is something that's good for our family, for my life. But I have ladies who I know who are pastors' wife who have a job. They are nurses or you know, they, they, they are literally in the world, working in the world. Does that mean that they shouldn't be a pastor's wife? Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's that mindset that we have to break in the church um, as well. And I'm not trying to obviously, you know, point your fingers or, you know, we want to edify the body here, but it's just like, you know, I think too, it's just like, we can get tainted with this whole feminism mindset also like in the church 
in very subtle ways. And that just because, you know, Michaela is a driven, successful person and she has all these goals and she's willing to, to actually make those goals happen. Um, that might not look like, you know, what somebody else, you know, their life, that doesn't mean she doesn't love God. It doesn't mean that God's not calling her because we don't know what God's plan for her life is. She is Mm -hmm. exactly where she needs to be. And God's going to send her specific people who knows professional people that only she can reach. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if we are all at home, who's, who's going to be talking to people outside the home. So I love being home, but I also know I need to get outside, you know, and I need to talk to regular people. So it's just like, God's going to put us in different places. He's going to call us different places, just like he did with the disciples. He sent them to different places and they all had different roles. They all had different, you know, titles, different things that they were responsible for in the kingdom. And so we have to trust God uh, with other people's lives and try not to be judgmental about it. all. Yes. One is not better than the other. Like, Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen, um, um, like full-time moms, they are basically a full-time job. <laughs> like, so, I mean, yeah. like yeah. saying, like, it's so small minded thinking to say, like, just because, um, someone's a stay at home mom, they are less successful than somebody who is out working just be- like, that is just wrong in itself because if a woman can, then they will. But if they prefer to just do like be a housewife then they can be a housewife. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with a girl working full time and getting a degree and all that other stuff. Like, I don't understand why in the, like mainly in the church, um, why they see that as such a huge deal and why um, they think like, just because a girl is a little bit more driven or they want to like do a little bit more like successful wise and they might not want to have kids and stay at home that they put God second and their, their own goals first. Cause what if that's what God wants us to do? You know, and God has a different plan for every woman and every person in general. So I do love that JC. Thank you so much for bringing that up. <laughs> so, um, I'm actually kind of in between the two of you. So with like my experience with feminism and like my perspective on a woman's role, um, I did grow up in a house that kind of in an environment where it kind of had a broken version of like the traditional roles and like how it was supposed to look. And so like as a teenager and stuff, um, I decided that like, if that's what that was, I didn't want that. So I kind of rejected that and you know, I did have the Holy Ghost at that time. And, you know, I would look at like Proverbs 31 and say, you know, okay, so like, you know, she ran a business and, you know, she was doing all this stuff in her life. So, you know, what I'm seeing on the surface of like the feminism movement, like, okay, I can justify that, like, that is what I want to be. That's where I want to go, you know, even though you know, I have people in my life saying, you know, that's not biblical, you know, I'm biblically justifying because I can see the alignment of principles on the surface. And, you know, God does work through things and I'm definitely not at that place now, but I do think God allowed me to go through that season 
because it allowed me to see how people can get pulled into that because of the truth on the surface. And, you know, for reference, I have worked a ton of corporate jobs. I did pursue, you know, secular education, you know, in my late teens and twenties and stuff. And, you know, I have gone out like Michaela and done all this stuff that the feminist movement pushes as like, you know, good and like that women should be doing this and empowerment and everything. And I'm definitely not a feminist because I, you know, chose to do that. But at the same time, I think we need to recognize one, it is a spectrum from, you know, a complete stay at home mom to someone that's like a hundred percent in the workforce. And like, there's so many like different colors and combinations of, you know, maybe you're a stay at home mom and like you're running a business or, um, you're able to have a corporate job, but work from home. And like, there's so many combinations and it's not that like one's right or one's the best. It's that you fulfill what God has called you specifically to do with your combination. And just because you choose to have certain elements of things that the feminist movement would try to lay claim to as part of their ideology doesn't mean you're subscribing to their whole message. No, it's you're taking what God's called you to do and fulfilling on that regardless of the pictures and messages that they're sending. And also the next step beyond that is sometimes we want to put people in a one size fits all box of like, okay, if you're living your life this way, then you're always going to live your life this way. Because like with me, you know, I worked corporate and, um, more recently I had like job transitions where I'm able to work a lot from home. And that kind of brought about a heart change in me where originally I had thought, you know, I'm always going to work a corporate job. I'm always going to, you know, be involved in that because I am very driven and I enjoy the interactions with people and like that spectrum, but God started softening my heart to like, you know what? deep down, I really would like to be a stay at home mom. I really would love, you know, having that opportunity. And even though I'm not, you know, in that place right now, you know, when God does open the door for that, you know, I'm going to step into that with grace and thankfulness and it's going to be a good thing. Will I completely get away from working and stuff? I mean, probably not just because I'm driven, but like, it'll be a transition to where, you know, my gifts and talents can be used in the kingdom and can be adjusted based on the season that God has me in. So just because, you know, you are in a particular place right now with, you know, particular settings doesn't mean that God's going to keep you there forever. Like he can use your training and your experience to fuel the next season of your life. My experience, you know, working in the corporate world and stuff has helped me a lot in being able to do ministry stuff and business stuff. And we don't need to discount the seasons that God allows us to go in to get the experience for the better season he has next. It's not a, you know, you only get one thing. No, it's that God has a spectrum and God has seasons.
And we need to recognize that and enjoy that and not get caught up in feeling boxed in because of the narrative that the world pushes for female roles. Mm-hmm. Well, well, before I get into my experience with feminism, I actually would like to touch on some of the points, Michaela, you made and you as well, Elissa. Um, the season thing is huge, just like it is within your walk with God, right? Um, there are certain seasons in your life where God will call you to different things. And it may be something totally opposite of what the next season in your life is. Um, you know, the God, God likes to baffle us sometimes, or at least we baffle our own selves because we often put God in this box and we can't box in the creative of the universe, right? Um, but there are certain seasons where God could very well call a woman to be out on the evangelistic field, going out and ministering in a type of way that he has called her to. And then from there, when she does have kids, she's called to be a mom. And you're calling, there, there are certain basic principles, right, of what a godly woman is and what a godly mother is and which is outlined in proverbs 31 and you can still be a mom and be a the mom god called you to be and that look different from you elissa and what the the kind of mom in a more specific way that god has called you to be and you jc um the mom god has called you to be and the same with you michaela um some there are some people who never get married and so their their role as a woman is going to be slightly different than someone who is married and does have a family so women are called the baseline principle is to keep their homes to um tend their families and however that looks within the context of your walk with god that's for you to find out and for you to seek god after and apply to your life because god is going to hold you responsible for what he has called you to do and how much of it you did right so i know for me um i am more of a (laughs) i've always been kind of independent I think that is the effect of being the oldest girl and um, and also like the oldest grandchild. So uh, I have that um, streak of independence in me. Uh, And so when I was younger, I thought I was a feminist. Uh, I thought that, you know, being a feminist meant, oh, girls can do whatever guys can do, like in the sense of, oh, I can climb a tree. So guess what? I can even do it in a skirt (laughs) or I can play these sports and like have a bunch of fun doing it. Like, oh, I like martial arts and and parkour and cool stuff like that. Like, it's not just a boy thing. That's so I thought I was a feminist. Um, And then I came to understand what modern feminism really was. And there were certain aspects that appealed to the independence in me and 
I had to come to the realization and to accept, not just realize it, but to accept that those ideologies weren't godly. And if I actually wanted to be a woman of God, I was going to have to submit to what God said a woman after him looks like. And with that, I, I had to deal with um, the, the feelings of, oh, well, you know, am I going to be uh, like held back by a man or um, what if I want to do this? And what if this is the career path I want to do? And is a, is a man going to hold me back from that? And just these different kinds of thoughts that, uh, and feelings, and, you know, women are driven by feelings, right? That would come. And I had to uh, check myself and check in with God and lay that at his feet. Um, because I was very independent. It was like, still some of my family kind of joke with me from how I was back then, like, oh, Janesslin is an independent woman who needs no man. And, <laughs> and the, the reality is that's actually not true. Um, the one, I need the man Christ Jesus, we all do. But also the Bible talks about, let me actually pull up the scripture uh, because I came across uh, the scripture while studying for this. And it talks about how a uh, man is made for a woman and a woman made for a man. And in that, um, what the Bible is, is saying is that men and women, we actually do need each other. Um, it is, the verse is, okay, 1 Corinthians 11, 11. The KG, the KG version says, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. And um, the amplified version, which I generally, my go-to is the KJV, but there are some um, instances where you do gain a better understanding by looking at some of the other versions. Uh, so I try to share both, <laughs> um, but the amplified version says, nevertheless, woman is not independent of man, nor is the man independent of woman. So men need women and women need men. And then they both are equally dependent on God. Um, God saw that Adam was alone and he needed to help me. So he created Eve, but Eve would not have been able to live in the garden on her own. She needed Adam as well. We, we need that, um, relationship, the, that, uh, commune, the communion. Um, and so God created marriage for that. And of course, <laughs> of course, uh, some people are excited for that. Right. Um, but of course, all of that is dependent on God. And if there ever was a time where, um, a woman didn't have a man, she can fully survive with God and vice versa. So God is the only, in the end, God is the only one you need, but there are just like, we need food, right? <laughs> there, there are certain other needs that we have that God provides for us. And men and women are each other's, one of the uh, needs that God has provided for each other. So coming to that understanding, um, I had to lay 
my feelings and emotions down at the altar and submit that to God. And he has definitely grown me into a closer, um, more and more understanding of godliness and his role for men and women. Okay, so um, I would like to get you guys' perspective on, do you think there's a prevailing spirit behind like the feminism movement today? And if so, like, what is that? And, you know, what's really the objective pushing that spirit? What's the agenda behind what's going on? Like, we see the stuff on the surface, but there's a lot of, you know, spiritual stuff and an agenda behind what's being publicly pushed. Um, I would say, yes, there is a spirit behind this whole modern day feminism. Actually, me and my sisters were talking about it like not too long ago, where um, now they're trying to reverse everything. So they're trying to make a woman like a man and a man like a woman. And um, a lot of this social media and commercials and all this other stuff, like I've been noticing that they're trying to portray women going out and getting the money where the man stays home and takes care of the kids in the household. I think it's kind of weird, but they're trying to make it normal, you know, because right now it's not completely like normal right now. And they want to make it that way. And it's like, okay, I mean, if that's how you run your household, fine. But at the same time, um, a man was not really made to be a housewife. Like that's not really something that God gave them the <laughs> ability to do mentally because women God gave us the, um, just that spirituality for nurturing and being the nurturer of the household. And that's why we're so organized. We can do multiple things. We can multitask like nobody's business. Like, um, and just in general, women, we, we can carry a child and we can carry another human being. We can birth that human being with a 10 on the pain scale and still live and um just and you know trying to portray a woman being like the man of the household when they had already birthed a child or taking care of the household and everything like that I, I just I just feel like there's like a spirit behind it and I'm not sure what is completely maybe JC can like um touch on it a little bit more but I do feel like it's it's of course not something that God would have wanted I just know that um and another thing is that the objective right now is, you know, the devil, he likes to take the things of God. And of course he likes to switch it up because that's why he um, is so obsessed with like the LGBTQ RSTUV. And um, she, so, and it's an abomination <laughs> to God, but anything that's an abomination to God, he wants to take it and make it normal and make it, you know, acceptable to where people will fight for it. And I feel like that's also what he's trying to do with the roles of the man and the woman. Cause it kind of does in a way play into that whole situation of the LGBTQ. Personally, that's what I think. I mean, it, I, yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what I, that's what I'm noticing. And that's the spirit I kind of feel behind it. Um, and I am not for it. Like in general, women and men are separate. We can never 
be the exact same person and then switch up our roles just automatically like that. Like we have a different mindset and a man has a different mindset. Men are kind of just like one way of thinking. <laughs> Women have everything going on with them and this, we got we get in touch with our emotions and everything. Men don't really do that. They kind of just like, oh, I wonder what's going on in the game. I mean, not saying I'm better dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just the way, like, it's just those huge differences between us and trying to yeah. make us something that we're not is going to ultimately mm-hmm. just affect the family households. I did notice like in general, not gonna say specific names, but I have seen many families where they try to switch up the roles and a lot of them are either either divorced or they're not happy or they're getting marriage counseling because yeah. that's not the way he got intended for it. He didn't want a man to stay at home to do nothing but take care of the kids in the household. And he doesn't want the woman out getting all the money and being the head of the household wearing the pants. It's not the way he, because yeah. that's not the spiritual order that he had in his word and two. So um, if there's anything in there that might be seen as offensive, you can cut it out. But yeah, that's basically my stance. It would, some, sometimes the truth hurts. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to bring this up. Hold on. I just had mm-hmm. someone on my, again, just a lot of resources I've created over the years, people. So um, I actually talked about uh, spiritual battles on episode 91 with um, Leslie uh, Fitzpatrick at the time. She's now remarried. So her last name is different, but she and I had talked about the spirit of Jezebel on there and Mm -hmm. you guys would love that episode. Anybody else? Hello. Awesome podcast (laughs) episode 91. It is insane because she was actually just speaking on this and I had approached her with the topic because I had done my, I was doing my own studying and we knew that God wanted us to talk about it together. So she breaks it down nicely talking about how we must be aware of her spirit in this modern day. And I know a lot of people do touch on that, on her spirit. Um, I do have another spirit, but, but going along with what Michaela was saying, um, there are men who have a spirit as well. And they have a spirit of Ahab. Ahab was the husband mm. of Jezebel and they have allowed, he allowed Jezebel to be powerful, not saying that, um, you control your woman. Okay. Not saying that, but you know, he was not, um, secure in his identity as a man to set boundaries in his kingdom, let alone in his own household. And so, Jezebel took over knowing that she could manipulate her husband in their home. She also manipulated his kingdom. And then we see that she took the prophets, um, you know, of the Lord and slayed them all. And she, you know, basically uh, was a, a woman who worshiped Baal. And so it's just, we see that spirit now in society of this spirit of Jezebel who it's that spirit of rebellion. They don't want someone to tell them what to do. They want to be able to say and do whatever they want without repercussions. And they're trying to twist society in a way that's going to glorify that spirit. And that's why it's really scary. And we should really be prayerful about this spirit being in our government and putting laws in place that like are going to change our society uh, in very, very scary, harmful ways. So that is the main spirit that I saw. And I, 
I actually was, I didn't even have, have it written down. I have a little notebook that I just wrote it down because as Michaela was talking, I was like, oh yeah, that's the one. Um, the spirit yeah. that, that I had written down was actually a different spirit that I wasn't even thinking of, but the Lord actually placed it on my heart as I was getting in the car to come here. I'm recording at my church. And, and as I got in the car, the Lord just said, Lot's wife. And when I was in the car, I had to stop. And I have goosebumps because if you think about it, if you go to Genesis 19, uh, I'm just going to read this here. Genesis 19, 23, it says, uh, the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zorah. Okay, we know that God had a plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but he wanted to get Lot and his family out. And so he sent angels to get them out. And so then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. And in verse 26, it changes. There's a word that my bishop always says that changes scripture and you always have to look at it. And it's the word, but it's a revolving door. Mm -hmm. But we know God's plan is to destroy these cities. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. That's all. That's all. They don't talk about her anymore because the next verse says, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. It continued on to the story. She was just a blurb. But what did she miss? Looking back, there's something that Sodom and Gomorrah, we know, was terrible. And, and we are living now in modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that the perversion is, is extreme, the measures that we see. But there was something that was still enticing to her that she had to look back. What lifestyle did she not want to give up? And so we're mm-hmm. seeing now that there are ladies, there are women in society who do not want to give up that lifestyle because it satisfied something within them, some sort of sinful nature that they are just deluded and they're, they're in their thinking because, you know, we know that sin just blinds the mind. We know that sin just taints the heart. It, it twists and perverts everything that God sees as good. So, you know, these are the two spirits, but specifically the spirit of Lot's wife. I think that's why things have gotten almost like a volcano volcano things are like bubbling up we feel this like pressure in society and we wonder why i think the spirit of jezebel started it but i think the spirit of lot's wife is where we are now because they're looking back and they're seeing oh this is what feminism used to do we have to go greater we have to go you know i don't want to leave that behind i don't want to leave what our progress you know everything's about progress it's like oh well we got to we got to keep progressing keep progressing well, what's your end goal? I think that's the problem. Like if you ask a feminist, okay, what's your end goal? Equality. Great. We have that. What's your end goal? Equal pay. Okay. We're working on that. What's your goal? They're going to say all the the same things over and over, all these talking points over and over, not realizing that there's always going to be something, but what is your main point of all of this? You're that's why they're starting to break apart the identity. Cause I feel like it's like a cat like just trying to, you know, trying to keep, you know, hold their claws into like, you know, like 
the fabric of your shirt. If you're trying to like get a cat off you, you know, it's like impossible. Um, and that's why I feel like these feminists, you know, this, this movement, the spirit, they know that they are being defeated because I do believe that God is raising up a generation of apostolic people who are not going to be moved. I do think that he is shifting a lot of us in the churches. That's why we are here talking about this. And mm-hmm. I do think that the devil knows that his time is up, that God is coming soon. And so that's why he's trying to break down the identity of a woman. Cause that's the, that's all that they have left. They have nothing else left that they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. JC. Wow. <laughs> yes, that is, that is so um, revelatory. And it's one of those things where, you know, it was from God. And I, I, I know um, that the spirit of Jezebel is definitely has its a stronghold in the world. And the way you the way you um, positioned it to where it's like she she started it this rebellious movement right and and we still see the lingering um, rebellion in this world. Um, but there's also the element of the spirit of Lot's wife looking back and they instead of looking towards God because there was specific instruction uh, to not turn and look back but she disobeyed so in disobedience Lot's wife turned to look back to hold on to the past and and the the evil in the world Sodom and Gomorrah I do want to make a point that I thought of um, Jezebel and Ahab as well. And one of the things that I noticed about Jezebel specifically was like you mentioned that she desired to control her house and desired to, you know, control the kingdom. But she also, you know, sought out a man, you know, Ahab, that was a weaker male figure that not only could she manipulate and use, but she literally turned him basically into a bolster to step on to elevate herself even more. And so when we see that behavior of, you know, women seeking out weak men that they can step on to elevate themselves that's a direct correlation of that spirit at work wanting to elevate itself and elevate itself without any regard to the lives that it tramples and destroys in the process. Yeah. And I also love what you said, like the um, end goal, there's no end goal because there's nothing that they can fight for anymore because they were, they ran out, but the, it's still there because sin has no end goal either. And spirits will never be satisfied. And once you actually, if someone in sin actually reaches that end goal, then they won't be satisfied anymore. And then they're going to start looking back towards God who has all the answers because God is the alpha and the omega sin just has to keep up keep coming up with new things so or else they're going to lose their followers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, sin doesn't have an end goal. 
it really doesn't. It's just death. So, um, like, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I know what you were saying. Like, you know, Elissa, like there are some women who, you know, maybe not strate- strategically do it in their own mind, but the spirit that's working in them choosing a spouse or choosing a male figure that they can manipulate. And I've seen this in my own life. There is a spirit um, on a on a particular person that I know that if I stand my ground and I'm talking about a a woman, um, but if I stand my ground and I am, you know, uh, prayerful and I allow God to use me in a bold way, they actually stop. And there are these women who have these strong spiritual like influences that they don't realize inside and outside of the church. And if we allow them to, they will bulldoze everyone in their path to do what they want to do. But they don't really even have an end goal. They have no sort of, um, you know, what, what is your, what is your point here? Uh, (laughs) They just really want to be in control it's also that like that control. Um, and when somebody else is in that role of control, the spirit is going to be, you know, uh, um, not going to have rest. They're going to have unrest in their spirit because they have that desire for control. Um, and I had thought about, you know, something that I, I'm on a social media break right now. Um, one of the things that I had, I think, wrote last week or the week before, I can't remember now, all the days blend together when you're not on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> um, but I talked about how God really put in my heart that the devil is not creative. He's no, not creative. He's not. He yeah. just uses the same thing over and over and over. And he just tries to package it in a different way. And we see that in feminism. And, you know, they're like how they act and how they, it's like, we can look back in the Bible and literally see how people have behaved throughout history. And even not even, even if we don't even look at the Bible, just look at the history books. Yeah, It's like everything repeats itself because sin repeats itself. Sin is just going to continually repeat. Um, like you were saying, Michaela, like there's no, there's no creativity there. And so it's interesting to see just how far and how scary that this, you know, postmodern like feminism, like movement has gone because it's going to get to a point. And I think it is to some degree, there are even people who are pretty extreme that are saying, wait, this is a little bit too much for me. And when the extreme people, when the extremists are saying you're gone too far, then I think you've gone too far. (laughs) Mm hmm. I've really, um, so I just looked up and Proverbs um, 27 and 20 says, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. And um, the spirit that desires to control is a great spirit of greed 
that's never satisfied. It's never enough. And the minute, you know, you relinquish something and you give it a little bit of control, you feed it something, its hunger just grows. Its desire to expand just grows. And so the only solution is to stop it, to put boundaries on it, to stand up against it, like laying over and, you know, letting it bulldoze our society, bulldoze our, you know, churches, bulldoze our families. Like that's never going to work because no matter how accommodating we are, how understanding we are, that's not going to work because accommodating that only makes them feel like they have more of a right and a justification to take things a step further than what they just did. Very true. With that being, with that being said, what I've noticed with uh, the, the Jezebel spirit, um, because there's still that that a legacy, I guess you can say, that the Jezebel spirit has left in our world, especially within the feminist movement. And it's interesting how Jezebel perverted the role that a woman is supposed to have within Mm -hmm. the authority hierarchy in her home. And in doing that, yeah, in, in perverting women and men's roles what the Jezebel spirit is doing it not only perverts the authority of God but it also perverts the the image of God and the the headship that he has designed and because the headship is then perverted you don't have the headship and the covering that comes with headship that you would have had if everything was in alignment. So it's, it's really interesting to see that legacy of Jezebel and Ahab. And JC, you mentioned the, the spirit of Ahab that many men have um, just playing through in such a way throughout the course of history. And now with the spirit of Lot's wife yearning for that rebellion um, that sparked it's, it's, it's amazing and scary, like you said, JC, to see it um, play out in the way that it has. And it's actually a very serious thing, a very serious uh, deal. You know, we kind of hold the Proverbs 31 woman as kind of the ultimate biblical example as the embodiment for what a godly apostolic woman should look like. And like, there are definitely other examples of godly women in scripture. And I would like to hear um, your perspective on um, both like Proverbs 31 and any other biblical women that you'd like to kind of include to um, reinforce, like with examples, your perspective on what that actually looks like. And also, you know, how we can apply that today because, you know, this isn't Bible times and sometimes the stories, we may not be able to apply it, you know, uh, two for two, but we can take the principle and apply it to our lives now. Um, yeah, I definitely love talking about 
you know, the Proverbs 31 woman because she was awesome and everything that she did, obviously, you know, I'm sure she was a sinner like all of us, but she used her talent. She used her gifts to bless her house, to bless the community. You know, she really was the ultimate like girl boss. She was just so awesome. Um, but, but one person that I truly admire is Mary. And I don't think we talk about her enough, probably because we just assume she's obviously great. We don't have to talk about her too much because she birthed the Messiah and you know, that's it. But I just, you know, we can't forget out of all the ways that the Lord could have revealed himself. He chose a woman to be birthed from a woman and he chose her. And, you know, I really was praying about this and it's something I can't remember which book I put her in. I put her in one of my books, um, but she, she's just this faithful, like humble woman. And so after hearing the angel tell her what was going to happen in Luke one thirty eight, she says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me, according to thy word, be it unto me. And I think about that often. It's like a complete surrender, even though in those days, the culture surrounding an unmed, unwed, you know, pregnant woman was more than frowned upon. It was, it was a death sentence. And she was engaged to Joseph, who wasn't even the father. It sounds like, you know, like a Jerry Springer episode or something. It sounds like this (laughs) crazy thing that we see in like reality TV. But like in that moment, Mary was having this like super natural experience, like an angel came to her and, and she knew that like, this was God ordained. And so I think somewhere in Mary's mind and her heart, deep down, she knew that Jesus would advocate for her no matter what happened in society. You know, she was faithful. She followed the Lord before she was chosen. She loved God. And so we know that in order to reverse the curse of sin in the garden, you know, God chose to become a man in order to sacrifice his life for ours. Thank goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so in order to give us that freedom and eternal life in heaven. And so we have that hope. We have that because he chose to do this through a woman, through Mary. And, um, you know, I I do want to say that God, just like we were saying before about like, we don't just support a woman just because she's a woman. God didn't just choose Mary just because she was a woman. He could have chose anybody if that was the only qualification, but he chose her because he knew her character. He knew her integrity. She had a relationship with him. She knew, but God knew that she had this maturity, this ability, or at least he knew the potential. Even if she didn't have it at the time, he knew that he could work through her. Um, to bring about this amazing thing that never happened before and that never will happen again, you know? And so we see this in our life when we look at the stories and, and we see how like something happens and Mary stops and she learns to pause. She learns to ponder on things. She learns to like keep her mouth shut. <laughs> That's probably why I love Mary. Cause I don't do that. And so, um, you know, we know that she was called not just because she was female, but she was capable of being the mother that Jesus would need to be, you know, uh, and, and raise him in a way that he would be this um, incredible, just force to be reckoned with, obviously. And, you know, it's just, it's just truly amazing. And, and I just love, I just love talking about Mary and just the more I read about Mary, the more I pray, like, Lord, let me have a Mary spirit, one that learns to pause, learns to ponder, um, 
when something happens and not be reactive, like I could be. And also, you know, I want to, I want God to see that potential in me the way that he saw in Mary. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to be chosen as the mother of the God of the universe in flesh, you, you must've been a very um, commendable woman. Um, for me, I would say, um, honestly, my favorite story in the book is definitely Esther. And I think just in general, because she was so young and God used her at a young age. I mean, there are so many other women in the Bible as well, but you know, Mary was one of them too. She was used at a very young age as well, um, based on the, the historical like um, findings and stuff. Um, but Esther was also very young and she was willing to die. You know, she had a lot of fear in her, but you know, I think it was important that that story was portrayed because sometimes us as women, we can overthink things. And then we have this strong sense of doubt and fear and a lot of the things that go on in our life. And um, that story, aside from like the Proverbs 31 woman, um, that story in general kind of covers those bases of some of those things like, God, are you really going to protect me from death if I do this? And, you know, it's just taking that leap of faith that you need to take as a woman. And, um, and just like in the, just a basic overview of that, what she had to do, she was chosen to be a wife of the king. And some people look at that story and they're like, well, Esther was like a sex slave. Okay, listen, the, <laughs> the um, people are the ones that chose to have kings. God didn't even want kings. He just wanted everyone to follow what he said. And they're like, no, we want a king. Okay, you want a king? Here you go. Okay. They're not a perfect person. And yes, they are taking in too many wives. It's just what they do when they're the king. <laughs> you know, aside from that, um, after he took in Esther as his wife um, and he, she realized all of her people were going to be killed and she was the only one who could stop it because those, those are technically, like, those are just her people. And um, going to the courts to actually talk to the king without being announced she could have been dead. She should have died because that was a, that was like against the law pretty much during that time. And her taking that leap of faith for her people and doing what God told her to do was like just a very strong move, especially for someone that young. And um, I think we can all learn from that too in general, um, where as a woman, some people may think of us as very innocent and sweet and fragile, but if we need to, we can take a stand and we should be taking a stand on a lot of things that might be going on in our lives or things that God wants us to step up and do. And we should never feel inferior. Uh, I mean, like sometimes people see women as like inferior and that's why they see us as fragile, but like we, I mean, yeah, we are maybe not as strong as a man, but that's the physical part, but spiritually, mentally, we should be as strong as we can be because that's what God wants us to be. He loves, just like what Jay said, JC said, um, um, he doesn't look at a man as someone better than a woman. Um, he loves women just as much as he loves a man. And he has used many women in the Bible and some of them may stick out to us a lot more than others. But in general, he didn't make the Bible a, a book full of men. He added the importance of a woman and how we are very important to spirit, like in spiritual terms, 
just the will of God and what he has plans for, for the church. He even, um, even compares the church to being the bride of Christ. And like those things are not something we should take lightly. And we should see ourselves as more of value than what the world probably wants us to see ourselves as by trying to give us like those self-esteem issues and everything. And God looks at us and he says, I love you for who you are and you are a strong woman. And I want you to take this and go as, as high as you can until I come again for you. So I do love, I love being a woman. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Elissa, go ahead and yeah. Yeah, I will um, jump in. So mine, um, I think, is more of like a principle rather than a specific story. But the thing that I've really been dwelling on personally is, as you know, our call as women to be keepers of home, a very distilled version of that is our calling and gifting to be nurturers. And every woman, regardless of what they say, regardless of how they portray themselves, is a nurturer. However, not everyone is a nurturer of good things, godly things. Um, you know, when we're apostolic and we're following the Holy Ghost, yes, we are nurturing love, we're nurturing peace, we're nurturing the gifts and babies that God has placed in our lives. But the perverted flip version of that is the world nurtures bitterness, the world nurtures control, the world nurtures, you know, self um, fulfillment and selfishness. So I think we all need to realize as women that like we will nurture something, we will dwell on things mentally, like we as women, we're very uh, mentally driven creatures and our minds are the seedbed for a lot of what we externally portray. And so what we allow to nurture and grow in there will show up as fruit in our lives and in the lives of the people and places that we have influence. So it's really important that we're careful what we allow ourselves to dwell on and in yeah yeah wow that's um these are really great points that you guys um have brought up and i there there are many women in the bible that um god highlights for a reason um as you mentioned and um Esther is one of my favorite stories as well. And um, seeing Mary in the light that JC brought her into, just like really highlighting that is, it, it's revelatory in itself. Um, I, I would like to bring up Deborah, um, of course, the prophetess, right, of the Old Testament. And um, not much is said about Deborah, but there is something significant to um even just in one line of scripture where deborah is um first talked about judges 4 4 through 10 says and deborah a prophetess the wife of lapidoth she judged israel at that time and the later in judges um judges 
chapter five verse seven, it says the inhabitants of the villages ceased, they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, rose, that I arose a mother in Israel. So not only was Deborah um, considered a mother in Israel, but she also judged Israel at the time. And that is something that seems kind of revolutionary in theory for the time back then, because we don't really read in the Old Testament of women having such a role of authority the way that Deborah has. But what kind of woman was Deborah that she stepped up and became a mother of Israel and to where God saw the qualities that she had and raised her up to be a judge over Israel. And when you start considering that and then looking towards the rest of the Bible, because the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're not two separate Bibles, right? As some people try to um, make it seem, they all coincide, they both coincide together. And so thinking, looking at the what's listed elsewhere in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, as what makes a woman of God and seeing those those qualities, um, especially in Proverbs um, 31, because she she was a leader of her home, you can start building this picture of the type of woman Deborah was for God to raise her up into such a powerful and prominent position. And that is encouraging to me as an apostolic woman to know that similarly to Deborah, I can be called of God and God can raise me up to be a powerful woman in his kingdom. And uh, it's just, it's very encouraging for me. And um, I started seeing Deborah in a greater light, even just doing um, a prep for this video. I want to make one point really quick, um, especially we see this exemplified with Deborah, um, the submission and authority ratio. Hmm. A lot of people can get really mixed up when they see like women in authority and positions. Um, but we have to understand that that comes from a place of submission. And even with Deborah, you know, she was willing to not have that power. She was willing to say, you know, whatever needs to happen needs to happen. And I don't have to have that power. I don't have to be that person. And it's because her purity of spirit and not needing that control, not relying and feeling like she had to have that position is one of the qualifiers that said, okay, you're not going to pervert this power and I can trust you with leading that. And so, especially with women in leadership and authority and anointing, it's so important that we keep ourselves submitted to the authority structures because our authority comes from being submitted to the spiritual authority and the physical authorities that God has placed in our lives. So whenever you see it, just know that internally, even if you don't see those roles, if God has promoted that person, know that they have gone through that process. Amen. Amen. Good points. Well, ladies, I, I mean, this topic is, there's so much to unpack, right? So 
Um, there definitely can possibly be a part two in the future. But um, for today, I think we had a great discussion, very insightful, um, very revelatory. And I hope that it edifies those of you guys watching this video. I want to say a huge thank you to Sister JC from Hello Awesome Ministries and as well as Sister Michaela from Four Films Ministries for joining us today on this very, very important topic. Um, you guys brought such a great perspective to this discussion. And of course, thank you, Elissa, for hosting this with me. I um, appreciate you guys. And um, Elissa, if there's anything you would like to say, um to wrap up as well absolutely so i know that we kind of just listed their ministries but all of you guys watching all of you guys listening um we will be providing links and the names in the description but um, make sure that you actually go check out all of their material and like really enjoy their ministry because they've created a lot of material and put a lot of stuff out there that you guys can benefit from and be blessed by. So make sure that you, um, after finishing this, actually go check all of that out. And we look forward to what God has in store. And I know this is just the beginning of so many more great things God has in place for all of us. Amen. And um, ladies, if you guys want to say a quick uh, ending word, feel free. Oh, um, so great being on here. Um, and honestly, I am just glad that I have the truth. I'm glad that we all have the truth. And I, I, it would be just horrible. I can't even imagine being out in this world in today's day and age with so many of this confusing mindsets on feminism, on what a woman should be, on what a woman shouldn't be. And the way they distorted body positivity too and added that in there, which is a totally different subject, but um, I'm just so glad. Yeah, part two. <laughs> yeah, part two. And I'm just so glad that God has given us his favor and salvation because I know we're all going to heaven. We're all gonna see each other in heaven. And I'm just so glad I am not caught up in this demented way of thinking in this world. And um, if anyone ever feels like they need to get a little bit more clarification on some of the things that we had discussed, I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody, but hey, DM us, talk to us, uh, let us know um, if you need some more insight. And um, we can all like collaborate on that and talk and um, give a little quick mini Bible study if you need it, you know? So don't ever be afraid to ask questions. There's nothing shameful in getting some more knowledge on the things of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you can contact us at our socials in the description box. So be sure to check us out on all the platforms as well. And then JC. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, I just love this discussion. I was blown away by uh, just the different perspectives that everybody brought. I love that. I love that God has made us individuals. And I think that's also another thing that, you know, is like he, he made our personalities. And so, um, you know, we have to have that truth, like Michaela was saying, so that we can make sure that um, he, we can work within our personality, uh, but also allow God to have the ultimate say. <laughs> 
<laughs> in how we operate in our personality. Um, but I'm thankful for each and every one of you. And I, I love um, just what he's doing, allowing us to use these different platforms for his glory. Um, I always say God was not surprised by social media. He was not surprised by technology. The church was. Um, and so Sometimes that can be a little distorted, but God knew that we, each and every one of us, were here in this world for such a time as this, right? And I, I'm so thankful for him and for you, um, Elissa and Janessa Lynn, for putting this all together and all your hard work, Avril. Thank you for all your hard work. Um, I know Shout that. Out to Yapa, 238. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, people see something and they scroll. They don't realize all the hard work that goes into making content. So thank you guys for that. I know that the conversation here on this particular episode of the podcast has come to a close, but I really hope that the conversation between you and God especially will continue and the conversations between the people in your circles and your realm of influence will continue because it really is on our shoulders to educate and make sure that we're educated that way we're not destroyed for a lack of knowledge and i also pray that each one of us with the knowledge that we're now equipped with will do our own soul-searching and asking God to help us align with His Word and His ways. That way we can weed out anything that's not of Him and anything that the world would try to taint us with or that has crept in unawares to us. Like I said before, I will be leaving links to everything in the description for this episode, so please check it out. And if you think this episode could bless someone else, please share it with them. Feel free to share it on social media or any other platform that you need to. And last but not least, stay intentional, be apostolic, and I'll catch you guys next time.